calling all listeners. Attention all radio listeners. We broadcast starting calling all cars. Program will be broadcast at 9 p.m. on Monday, beginning May 1st. That's all. Rose and Quirk. Copyrighted program created by Leo Grandi. Imperial County Sheriff's Office calling all cars. Attention all cars broadcast 281 regarding a murder. Be on the lookout for three Filipinos. These men shot and killed a man near El Centro, this state. No description of suspect. That's all. Rules and rules. is refined so that it meets all the demands of public serving automobiles, whether it be speeding to the scene of a crime or slowly cruising the neighborhood to preserve peace. It is the money-saving gasoline of superior performance at any speed. When I point out that Rio Grande Cracks house more police cars, fire engines, ambulances, and other emergency equipment wherever it is sold in any other brand, I always remind you that this great gasoline has a quicker start appreciated by fast and slow drivers alike. That Rio Grande Crack accelerates more smoothly, provides more power and miles per gallon, regardless of the rate of speed. So, come on, join the army of motorists who are getting the most out of their cars at the least cost with police car performance Rio Grande Crack, the most highly recommended gasoline sold in the West. Facts upon which tonight's story has been based were taken from the confidential files of the office of the Sheriff of Imperial County, California. We are privileged to welcome to Calling All Cars the present Sheriff of that county, Mr. Robert W. Ware. We in the Imperial Valley have a special problem in law enforcement. Geographically, we are so situated that we get more than our share of transient labor, and a large part of this labor is foreign-born or a foreign extraction. Our laws are not always so well understood by these people. And in many instances, there is a lack of respect for law and order. Irrespective of the difficulty of our task, we spare no effort to emphasize the losing nature of crime of any sort. The story we are about to hear was no exception. Though it began in Imperial County, it had ramifications throughout the western states and was finally solved in the Hawaiian Islands. How we were able to affect this solution you will hear as the program progresses. And I will be back at the end of the program to explain further how we brought home to a group of lawbreakers the lesson that crime cannot pay. A late afternoon breeze was beginning to relieve the sultriness that hung over the little town of Calapatia in Imperial County, California. Constable E.H. Bedford sat before a desk in the set of substations, checking a piece of reports that lay face up beneath a wall calendar on which suspended the date November 19, 1932. Suddenly, Bedford became aware that he was not alone in the office and looked up to see a Mexican branch man standing just inside the doorway, uneasily twisting his hat with nervous fingers. What's the matter, buddy? Want to see me, Bartender? Uh, si, senora. I'm finding a man lying down in the road. 
Think I better come in and tell you. A man laying in the road? Where? Oh, two. Maybe three miles from here. It's a dirt road, not much cars. He's not. I, I think he's pretty pretty safe. He might be dead. Who is he? Anyone you know? No. A dark man. It's what you call a Hindu. I think maybe he's dead. That's no go close enough to look good, though. Why not? His life is still. He's making her fear. All right. Wait a minute while I put through a phone call. Then we'll drive out and have a look at this fellow. Put me through to Sheriff George Campbell's office in El Centro. Will you please, operator? See here, buddy. This better not be a cock and bull story you're telling me, because if it is, I... Oh, Sheriff Campbell? Oh, hello, Clark. This is Petford up at Calipatria. Oh, yes. There's a Mexican here in the office who just found a man's body lying in the road near town. He says he thinks the man's a Hindu. I thought maybe you might want to send somebody up here or come up yourself. No? I'm picking up Deputy Sheriff Ike Holmes right away. We're driving out to this Mexican to see what we can learn. Pedro drove you into town, huh? No. He went with us. 
that the boy who owned the car drove. Do you remember the boy's name? I think they called him Prudential. Anyway, we got into the car and were just ready to drive away from the ranch when... Come on, Prudential. Let's go. Don't you think we'd better wait for Leon? Leon? No, let him get the car from the ranch. You promise for you. He's trying to leave without me. Hurry up, then. You keep us waiting. Where did you miss the things we bought to see? I think you try to leave me behind. No, we're not trying to leave you. You get in the middle here. Between me and Prudential. Oh. Now, let's go. Is Mark Jackson in the way, Mr. Finch? No, not at all. We are very comfortable. Is it there for you boys to take us into the bank? Oh, that's all right, Mr. Finch. We'll be back at the ranch in a few minutes. I want you to figure out how much money we owe the hand, Pedro. I'm going to pay off this afternoon. I uh, already figured it out, Mr. Finch. Good. I have it here in this little book. Twenty-six boys working. Each boy make one cent a pound. And they pick... One cent a pound? No one said these boys would get one cent a pound. Oh, yes. You told me I should tell the boys that they make one cent a pound. Yes, Mr. Finch. They don't say one cent a pound. That's impossible. If I pay you so much, I make nothing. We don't know nothing about that. I think it's the price like I tell you and you pay. Not one tea rancher in the valley could pay you like that. The market price of tea is very bad this year, awful bad. Just the same. I tell my Filipino boys what they make for picking, and they're going to get it. You can't cheat us, Mr. Singh. But I didn't tell you to make any such price. Didn't I tell you, President you, that Mr. Singh say one cent a pound? Yes. That's what you tell me to present. Say, you're going past the ranch. Where are you taking us? We want to talk to you about what you owe before we go back. So we take you up a little road we know, where it's fast. You take us back to the ranch, or else you stop the car and let us out. Not until we fix this thing up, Mr. Fitch. If you don't stop the car, I'll make you stop oh, it. Oh, no, you better be quiet and not try to do nothing. I'll show you that I mean what I say. Nobody could hit with this one. Go. Go. You would try that. You have the gun. Over shoot him. Ah. No. Open the door of the car. Throw him out of the car. Yes, sir. I heard the thought. I don't remember anything more. I guess they threw me out of the car. And you have no idea where they took your partner? No. And I'm very much afraid for him. You see, he had in his pocket the $600 pill we drew at the bank. $600 in cash, yeah? Uh, about what time would you say all this happened? I think about 11 o'clock this morning. The bank closes at noon on Saturday, and we wanted to be in plenty of time to get the money. Yes, of course. Now, uh, just one more question, Mr. Singh. Do you know what kind of a car these three Filipinos were driving? Pedro called it an Auburn. It's the kind that is all closed in. Oh, yes, an Auburn sedan. Well, I'll leave you to get some rest now, and we'll start looking for your partner right away. Holmes returned to the substation from his, from his interview with John Finn. He 
found under Sheriff Rodney Clark and Deputy Sheriff Elliott waiting for it. Then, as they were discussing the details of the crime, so it looks like our best bet is to locate that Auburn sedan, Clark. Yeah, the sooner we get started, the better. Uh, did Sham Singh know the names of those three Filipinos who held him up and shot him? Well, he knows their first names, that's all. Prudencio, Pedro, and Leon. Pedro seemed to be the ringleader. Yeah, that's not much good. All three are common Filipino names. Well, let's... Oh, wait a minute. Looks like one of those two Japanese who just came in wants to talk to you, Holmes. Do you want to see me? Oh, yes, please. Very important. All right, Phyllis. My friend and I are finding very strange things. We are finding lonesome automobile having dead man. A dead man, you say? Oh, yes, please. Same thing, very dead. Now tell me, was the dead man a Hindu? Also, you already know, yes? Yeah? No, not exactly. Uh, what kind of a car was it? Automobile being open. Him have license plate from Arizona. Also have three suitcase intact. We're taking good look. Oh, so it seems. Uh, can you show us where you found this car? Oh, so we can show you all right. Well, boys, this is what I was afraid of. Yes, we've got murder against those three Filipinos now. There it is, boys. There's the car we're looking for. Those Japanese gave us a good steer. Yes, it looks like those Filipinos hit a blind road. That irrigation canal running across there only has a footbridge over well, I think I know what happened. They meant to take a road about a half a mile farther up the highway. It looks just like this from when you turn off onto it, but uh, I guess they were excited and turned off too soon. Oh, well, here we are. Let's see what we can find out. Let's show a break. They're hitting the wrong road and having to abandon the car. Now let's have a look in the back seat here. Hmm. The poor fellow's dead, all right. Hmm. It would be a good idea to open those suitcases and see what's inside. Yeah. I'll hand them out to you. All right. While you're looking at them, I'll see if they left the registration in the car clock. Mm-hmm. Nothing on the outside of these suitcases to tell us anything. No initials or travel stickers. Maybe when I open them up. Well, the registration's still here. Gives the name of Prudencio Rondaris as the owner. Well, that checks with what Sean Singh told me. Well, at least we know who one of them is. There's nothing in these suitcases but clothing, toilet articles. No, not a thing has any mark of identification on it. I'm afraid we won't get any clues from these. The only thing I can see to do is go across that footbridge over the irrigation canal and see if we can pick up their tracks on the other side. But night closed in on under Sheriff Clark and his two deputies without sight of the fugitives. Temporarily defeated, they turned back to town, taking the murder car with them, and intent on returning in the early morning with horses to continue the manhunt. Then on their arrival at the Calipatria substation, an old prospector came forward to meet them. Howdy, gentlemen. I come to town here less than an hour ago to get some supplies, and the first thing I heard about was this here murder. Uh, yes, you don't happen to know anything about it, do you? Well, not about the murder, no. Uh, but I think I know something about where the fellows is that done it. Oh, fine. Let's have it. Where are they? Uh, I come into town uh, from the Chocolate Mountains. Uh, using the old uh, Beals Well Road, uh, just where the trail hits the rings, I seen three pair of footprints. I uh, reckon they was made by the men you were looking for. Great, Scotty. Oh, I 
It doesn't seem possible they could have gotten that far on foot, even with a five-hour start. Well, just the same, that's where I seen them prints. Looks like they might be making for Santa Verde over on the Colorado River. But you didn't see anything of the men themselves? Nope, just the tracks while I was driving along. You're absolutely sure of what you saw? Sure. I ain't so old, my eyes has gone sour on me. I know what I seen. Hardly anyone ever travels that road, Clark. Sixty miles long from Nyland on this side to Palo Verde on the Arizona line. And only one water hole along the road. And there's a mighty slim chance that they're picking up a ride, huh? Practically no chance at all. And this is our chance, boys. We're driving into Palo Verde along the Fieldswell Road tonight. Us? Get the reward with you. <laughs> Leaving Holmes in charge at the substation and taking Constable Thetford in his place, under Sheriff Clark and Deputy Elliott made the journey to Calaverde. It was midnight when he reached the destination, for he had encountered no sign of the fugitive. Meanwhile, Clark contacted the Mexican passport photographer and obtained a print of every Filipino he had photographed for passport purposes. Clark and Thetford then presented the handful of photographs to Tom Singh at the county hospital. Mr. Singh. We have reason to believe that the men who attacked you and killed your partner have their pictures among this group. Would you mind looking through them and see if you can identify any of the lot? Sure. I don't know these men in an instant. There's one of them. Let me see. Not this one. Not this. Not this. Ah, here's another. Let me look for more. Uh, here, here. Let me find the rest of these out for you so you can see them easier. There. There now. No. No. No, he's not them all. That man is the third. You're uh, sure of these identifications, Mr. Singh? I'm positive. Well, that's it. They all agree on the same man. Yeah. This is the one who drove. The one that called Prudencio. Uh, yes, we know. Prudencio Rondales. We found his name on the car registration. And this one is Pedro. And uh, give his name as Javino Manzano here, but we'll soon check up on that. He was the bad one. The one who had the gun. The other is the one that called Leon. Uh huh. He gives his name here as Ponte Leon Rengor. Anyway, we know the men we want now, and thank you very much for your cooperation, Mr. Singh. <laughs> At once, copies of the photographs were mailed out to peace officers in California and Arizona. It was soon learned that all three men had been arrested at some previous date and fingerprint records then followed the photographs. Meanwhile, three days of intensive search among the Filipino camps revealed no clue to the people. It was at last concluded that they had been successful in leading the cordon of officers. But several days later, a Filipino was brought into Clark's office. Here's a boy who says he's something to tell us about Gavino Monzano, Clark. Yes. Uh, what's your name, lad? Enrico Garcia, sir. All right. Uh, what is it you want to tell us? Gavino. He say his name Ramon Simon, but he Gavino. He tried to take away from me my girlfriend. Uh, when was this? Just before he shoot Mr. Singh and the other Hindu and run away. How do you know Gavino shot the Hindu? Well, I see it in the paper. Oh. When Gavino run away, this girl go away too. Uh, what's the girl's name? Maria Thorne. She come from Stockton, and for a while I go with her. 
but Gambino say he wants her. And for me to keep away. Uh, do you know this girl's address in Stockton? Yes. It is here on this piece of paper. Oh, fine. Oh, thanks a lot, Garcia. This might be a big help. If you catch this, Gavino, you fix him good, no? Uh, you bet we will. But nearly two months went by, and the fugitives remained at large. And then police of San Jose telegraphed that Ponteleon's Rengo had been seen and identified there. Instructions were wired back to arrest and hold him. And Sheriff George Tamil left immediately by automobile for that city. Upon arriving, the prisoner was brought out for transfer back to El Centro. Is your man, Sheriff Campbell? Huh? Why? Well, that's not Rengor. Not Rengor? What do you mean? Just what I say. That's not the man I want. Are you sure? Positive. Here's a photograph of Rengor. Look for yourself. By George, I believe you're right. You'll admit there is a strong resemblance, though. Sure, but that doesn't help me any. Well, I'm sorry, Sheriff. Particularly after your long ride up here. Oh, well, these things happen once in a while. When are you leaving to go back to El Centro? Well, might as well go right away. I think I'll drive out to the highway by way of the foreign quarter, just on the slim chance of seeing the man I'm looking for. Isn't that asking for a lot, Sheriff? <laughs> I guess maybe. Well, but, goodbye. Bye, Sheriff. Sorry things worked out the way they did. Oh, this is going to be a long drive home. I think the boys are going to have a lot of fun about this. Jupiter, that Filipino sitting in that parked car looking up like Ben Gordon. Stop and have a good look. Hey, young fella. I think you're the man a friend of mine spoke to me about. Me? Why should somebody speak to you about me? Well, I'll tell you. He thought maybe I could use you. Huh? Hold out your arms a minute so I can see how strong you are. No, no, no. In front of you. Well, what's the idea? Well, why are you are putting handcuffs on me? I think you know why without me telling you, Rengor. Now, walk on over here to my car and don't give me any trouble. You made a big mistake, senor. Oh, no, I haven't. What is it you're resting me for? For murder. For murder? Yes. Murder of Brom C. But they didn't kill you with Cabrillo Manzano. Oh. But you admit that you were with Manzano at the time of the killing, do you? Well, yes, yes, but Cabrillo, he did the shooting. How'd you fellas get away? So, Cabrillo, three old boys hit us on a rack for two days. Then, then he took us to Broadway at night, and we hit two more days. Then we come up here to San Jose. What happened to Manzano and Romero? I don't know. They, they went away right after we got here. Uh, you don't know where they went, eh? No. Well, maybe you do and maybe you don't. But I know where you're going. And I know where you're going to stay for a long, long time. Following the arrest and confession of Rangor, came a sudden switch in the search for one of the remaining two fugitives. Postal authorities in Stockton, watching the mail addressed to Maria Thorne, Manzano's girlfriend, intercepted the letter sent to her from Hanapa, Hawaii, bearing the return address of R. Simone. All information concerning Manzano was immediately dispatched to Sheriff Henry K. Martin of Hawaii County, Hawaii, who in turn gave it to Deputy Sheriff William J. Richter of 
Hamakua County, which the town of Hamakau is located. Deputy Rickards and acted on the information at once, and within 48 hours had discovered Manzano working in a laundry under the name of Simone. Quietly and skillfully, he made the arrest, and Manzano, like Ringo, was unaware that he was in custody until the handcuffs were on his wrists. Placed in jail in Hilo, Manzano was then confronted by Ricard and Sheriff Mark. Well, Manzano, what have you got to say for yourself? I don't know what you mean. Oh, yes, you do. What have you got to say about that murder back in the States? You talk like you think I did it. Well, I didn't. You were there, weren't you? Then who did it? The two Filipino boys who were with me. They got mad at the Hindus because they thought they didn't give them enough pay. So they shoot them both. But you didn't have anything to do with that, is, is that it? No. I tried to save the Hindus and knock the gun out of my friend's hand, but it was too late. Now, you don't expect us to believe that, do you? I don't care whether you do or not. Well, how did you manage to get away from the California officers that were looking for you? I hired a friend to take me to San Diego after I go to a part of El Centro by walking. Then I went to Seattle by bus. Then in December, I come to Honolulu and both from Vancouver. Pretty soon, I come to Anaka and work in laundry. Then I am arrested. Uh, just why did you come to the island? Because I have brother and some cousins here. Because I want to get away from police in Imperial Valley. Mm, that's what I thought. Well, I found out that your brother and your cousins would rather not have you here. They're afraid of you. Sure, they're afraid of me. Why? I didn't find you so tough when I arrested you. No. That's because you take me by surprise, but you wait and see. Wait for what? It's too late for you to do anything now, Manzano. You think so, eh? Then listen. They'll never take me to the United States alive, do you hear? Never, never, never! of Manzano's arrest was sent by Martin to Sheriff Campbell of El Centro and under Sheriff Clark with details to take the next boat to Honolulu in order to bring back his prisoner. But before the ship was four days at sea, Manzano had broken jail during the early morning hours of February 21st under the protection of a downpour of rain and disappeared into the island's dense morass of vegetation. Sheriff Martin immediately took personal charge of the search, assisted by his chief deputy, Peter N. Hakela. Oh, it was the pounding of this confounded rain that made it possible, Peter. How could anyone hear him sawing away in this downpour? It's just one of those things, Sheriff. He's been in jail just three weeks, and under our very noses, he made a saw blade out of a fat bucket handle. Well, we've got to get him again, that's all. I bet we've got to get him again. He's only been free a little while. We throw a cordon of motorcycle policemen around Hilo, say, around... Full territory, six miles square. We ought to have him, sure. Sounds very good idea to me. All right, then give orders to have this done right away. Then have as many police as can be spared search the territory between the lines. Won't be much chance of finding tracks, though. This, this rain will have washed them all out. I'll give orders at once, sir. isolated home of a Filipino. There it was found that Manzano had appeared soon after his escape and demanded food and clothing. Two motorcycle officers, Almas Costa and Cicero Bento, were therefore stationed to guard the hut in the event of the outlaws returned. Then, early in the morning of the second day following Manzano's dash for freedom, these two officers were discussing the search while watching through one of the cottage windows. 
you suppose Montana really will come back here? The Filipinos who live here seem to think so. They're scared to death. Yeah, I know. They haven't figured out as a pretty desperate character. And when he was here before, these people gave him most of the food in the house and a really good suit of clothes. They wouldn't have done that if they hadn't been afraid of him. Boys at the J.O.S.A. Montana swore that he'd never be sent back to the state alive. Do you suppose he meant the jailbreak? Or that he'd kill himself? I don't know. But if he comes back here, he's as good as back in jail. You're right on that. I was just wondering. Look. Over where I'm pointing. By those trees. Huh? Yeah. Yeah, I see them. Well, he's done all right. Naked as the day he was born. Tore his clothes off getting through that jungle, I guess. See there, he's looking around. Trying to figure out if it's safe to try for the house. Now he's coming this way. We'd better be quiet, so there's no chance of his hearing us. He stopped again. Suppose he heard us? No. He's making for the door again. Come on. Let's get outside and wait. We must be just outside the door. All right, Manzano. You better surrender quietly. Oh, you here. Eh? Get me if you can. Hold on to me, Tom. Yes. Let him get away. You think I can't get away? No, no. You can't get away. Let me look. Get Hurry. Put the cuffs on. Let me look. Yeah, I guess that'll do for a while. Here. Throw this blanket around him. We'll take him in. All right. You open the door. All right. Well, then, let's go, Manzano. Here. You... Never will get me back to the jail, you. Look out. He's walking away. He's starting to run. Shoot. Go ahead. Give me that little pass. Come on, Costa. We've got to get him. There's luck. He slipped and fell down. All right. Yeah, we've got him. That's all, man. Don't try that again. You. You can't hold me in jail. You can't take me back to the United States. Oh, yeah? You'll get shackles this time, so you can't possibly escape. I'll never see the United States again. Never! You're crazy, Manzano. You're looking at a part of it right now. Well, let's not stand in the rain all day. Come on, my vest pocket, Jesse James. Just a moment. Sheriff Ware will conclude our program. If something went wrong to mar your motor trip over the weekend, make certain the next one is automotively perfect. Be sure the moving parts of your motor are protected by Realube. And keep the parts moving smoothly, powerfully, and economically with Rio Grande Crack. The police car performance motor fuel that is preferred by those who drive the most, who know the most about gasoline. And now, Sheriff Ware. Manzano was returned to California despite his vehement statements to the contrary. He was brought to trial and implicated by Rengor, who had been sentenced previously. Ron Barris was arrested by the Santa Clara Sheriff's Office in 1937. He and Manzano were found guilty and sentenced to study for the remainder of their lives the lesson that crime of any sort cannot pay. Thank you, Sheriff Ware.
County Sheriff's Office calling all cars, attention all cars. The cancellation of broadcast 281 regarding a murder. Suspects this case are now in custody. That's all. This is your narrator, Frederick Lindsay, bidding you good night for Rio Grande. Remember, one week from tomorrow night, Monday, May 1st at 9 o'clock, Rio Grande will present the case of the bitter wine. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System.